Well, good morning, ladies. Good to see you all. And uh, the weather's beautiful, isn't it? We're enjoying all the sunshine, which is great. And I think there's more to come, actually. You don't need the weatherman to know which way the wind blows, do you? You know it's going to be nice. Bob Dylan, by the way, that, sorry. <laughs> right. Okay, so we've been going through um, chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews, we don't know his name, we don't know who it was, but we know that he was Jewish who had become a Christian. And what he was doing, he was writing to those other Jews who had become Christians. So the Jews knew an awful lot about what was being said here. Well, we know because we can go and read it in the Old Testament. But they knew it far better than we did, that the first readers of the letter to the book of Hebrews. So what we've got here is the chapter of faith. That's what it's known as, the great chapter of faith. Now, we've also um, worked through from the beginning of chapter 11. And we've moved from Enoch last week, when times were bad. And now we've moved into Noah. And when we read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we read this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now, if you go back to your Bibles and read through Genesis, you'll see how things were getting from bad to worse at the time of Enoch that we looked at. Last week it was really getting bad, and by the time Noah comes along, it's basically out of control. The world is moved completely away from God. People have gone their own way. There are five chapters in Genesis that are dedicated to Noah. His birth, his life, his death. And then, in Genesis chapter 4 and 5, uh, Chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. They are the five chapters that are dedicated to Noah. Noah is also mentioned in the book of 1 Chronicles, the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Matthew, Luke, Peter's first letter that he wrote, and the second letter that Peter wrote. He also mentions Noah. So there's a lot of mentions about Noah. Mr. Noah, the one who built the ark, survived the global flood gets only two sentences from the writer to the book of Hebrews. That's all. Two sentences. That's what Matthew read to us earlier. That long passage which he might have forgotten. Passage of one verse. By faith, Noah went warned about things not yet seen. In holy fire built an ark. To save his, save his family. By his faith, he commended the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Why did the writer to the Hebrews tell us so little about Noah? Two sentences, that's all. I'll tell you why. Because the writers of the Hebrews knew that what the people of his day needed to know was that everything, everything that Noah achieved was achieved by faith. Not by his own efforts, 
not by his own thoughts, but by faith. Why did the writer to Hebrews do that? So that people would know, this is what you need to know about Noah. That great man, you know, you, you might put him on a pedestal and think all the great things, hang on a minute. No, it was all by faith. Why is it still here in our Bibles? Because God protected his word. Because he wanted us to know the same thing. Go and read all about Noah. Noah chapter 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9. Whoa, uh, Genesis 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9. It's all there. But this is the thing that we need to get hold of in our day. By faith. So let's together just unpick this verse that we've read. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen. Let's stop for a moment. By faith, warned about things not yet seen. You know, this refers us back to the first verse in Hebrews chapter 11, where the writer tells us in a very short statement, what real faith is. The writer there tells us, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, confidence and assurance. This is the faith that the writer in the book of Hebrews is speaking about. What was it that Noah had not seen. Because faith is about things not yet seen. And I'm going to read a verse from Genesis, a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 2. And this is in the context of creation when God first created. And that's the, 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 the seven days of creation, the six days when he created on the seventh God resting. So I just want to share this verse with you and then make a little comment on it. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That's a little summary of creation. The authorised version calls that a mist that came up from the ground and that at that time no rain needed to come down. It is possible that Noah had never seen rain. Maybe he did. But initially, when God created that perfect world, it was a little bit like, you know, the, the, could you call it the greenhouse effect? <laughs> you don't need rain. I mean, where's the big place with the big domes and, you know, the mist that, that comes down and waters the earth? But what we do know is that Noah had never seen a global flood. But by faith, he believed the words of God when God spoke to him about things unseen. Noah, whether it did rain at that time or not, or whether rain came later, you know, the thing is that he hadn't seen a global flood. What's a global flood? How can there be a global flood? Back to Hebrews verse 7 of chapter 11. In holy fear, he built an ark. Right, let's 
Just look at that for a few moments. This fear that the Bible speaks about here, the fear of God, it's not that we fear God like that. We do because of who God is. But this verse, or this word fear, in this context, as the Bible uses it, is referring to people who know who God is. So the fear of God is having a reverence for God, like we would for somebody, maybe royalty came in, we don't know, <laughs> or better straighten me hair, fix me tie, you know. You show reverence because you know who that person is. So when you know who God is, this is the fear that's being spoke about, you reverence for God, then having a trust in God, and a faith, a faith that Noah had, that put Noah into action, action to do what? To build something he'd never heard of, never seen, and didn't know how to build it, other than to build it the way God told him to build it. He built an ark, okay, to save his family, right? Right. Forget about the little boat, little house on the top. It always seems to have the giraffe's neck sticking out of the window, doesn't it? You know, and, and you have the little animals that you can put in. It, it's a toy. It's a children's toy. And children's toys are good things. They introduce children to the realities of life. I played with toy cars. It was crazy. But it wasn't anything like the cars out in the car park. I had a, a toy tip-up lorry. It was a tin one, way back in the days when toys were made out of tin. I was in my grandmother's and my nanny's pushing it in the backyard. And it tipped up. And it, it split me hand open. I've still got the big scar there. You know why I've still got a big scar? Because my nanny bandaged my hand like that. And it healed. And then when it healed, that scar stretches right across the palm of my hand. Horries. Yeah. What did he call them? Eight leggers, ten leggers? I don't know. Nothing like that little tin motor I had. What about boats? You know, trains, boats and planes, toys. They're not real. They're representative of the reality. And the reality is far greater and far bigger than those toys. But the toys serve a purpose. So, what did Paul say? As a child, I thought of a child and I put the childish things away. So, for you children, if you're here, little ones down there, keep your little Noah's Ark, your animals. But us grown-ups, let's forget about that. Let's look at the reality of what the Ark was. It was a boat. It wasn't built to get from A to B. One of the Cunard boats was in in Liverpool this weekend. I don't know if it's still there. And I think the photograph shows it. And I think the Isle of Man boat, the catamaran, is behind it. And it looks like a tugboat in comparison. How many did he have on it? Something like two and a half thousand people. It's got, uh, oh, no, I think it's 4,000 people and 2,000 staff on, on, on that boat. It's massive. But the ark that Noel built, it wasn't a passenger boat to get us from A to B. It was built to survive, to survive the elements, to survive everything that the elements could throw at it. Why? So that Noah and his family and those animals he had aboard could go from destruction 
to deliverance. Do you get that? That was the purpose of it. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a sea chart. It wasn't for that purpose. The A to B was in God's hands. But the main thing was, it would deliver the people in that ark from destruction, it was about to come, to deliverance. We have the instructions that the Lord gave to Noah. You can read them. Noah built it, believing that it would do what the Lord intended it to do. Save both the animals, him and his family. His faith was in the word of God. Back to our verse. When warned. Okay, Noah was warned. Who warned him? God warned him. He was warned by God. That takes us back to Genesis chapter 6. I told you there's a lot about Noah in the Old Testament, but we're just going to refer to one or two things to keep it in context of what we're looking at this morning. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Noah listened to God's warning. He didn't just listen. He trusted in God's word when God spoke about things unknown to him. He put his faith into action. And he began to work for God. And when he did that, he was ridiculed. Now, it was a big boat. People would say, what are you doing, Noah, building a boat? You're building a boat? What for? Because God has instructed me to do it. And it got bigger. That boat you're building, Noah, <laughs> when are you going to stop? Do you know how long it took him to build it? I'm not going to tell you. But the Bible tells us. It's in there. Have a look, and it'll tell you how long it took Noah to build the ark. And you know, you can't hide a thing like that, can you? You go and build something big in your back garden. Newspapers get over it. Oh, look what he's built in it. You know, go and decorate your house with the lights. Christmas time. Everybody knows about it. But for Noah, it would be, come on, Noah, why are you doing that? Because there's going to be a judgment of God. And we need to be safe. How big are you building it? Big enough for those who want to come in. He built it. And he was ridiculed. And he would tell people why he was building it. And he would encourage people to change their ways. Even to the point where maybe, maybe this big ark might not be needed. If there were so many people who turned back to God's ways. But no, God had given them a chance. And now he was giving them another chance. He was giving them time, time to think about it. And what was it that was making them think about it? Noah and his ark. Do you know, petrol tankers. You know the way they build petrol tankers? They build them low. They build them long. Why? It's built like a log to stay in the water. It also has an engine to direct it from A to B. What's in it? Loads of oil. What does oil do? It swishes about. What do they do? They build a superstructure. And in the superstructure, there's compartments. 
and the oil goes into those individual compartments so the sloshing about is not there it's just there in those cruel seas do you know what happens to a petrol tanker in a bad storm it breaks its back because there's a compromise put in too much structure you get less oil in don't put enough in you lose the boat so there's a balance engineering the ark was built probably looking more like a petrol tanker with a window in the top along the top to give ventilation and it was park car park on what does it mean <laughs> partition partition to put the animals in and what was the partition superstructure and who built it noah but who told him to build it god who showed him how to build it who gave him the dimensions god how do i know that because they're here in genesis well, go and get the dimensions and build yourself an ark and the animals when they went in people say ah oh, you couldn't get all the animals you only needed two of each kind four of another kind and the food that would last for the journey and you know if you work it out if you work it out it works why because god designed it why are the dimensions still here because people will doubt through the ages like people still doubt today people bother to read and see what it's saying Noah had faith he didn't understand why he didn't understand initially what all these compartments were for he didn't understand why there was a big window in the top to give ventilation but God instructed him and by faith he did what God said by faith this is still in verse 7 of Hebrews 11 you have a look by his faith he condemned the world strong words and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith and they're powerful words two sets of powerful words there i'm going to take you to one peter first lesson peter took wrote it's in the new testament <coughs> 1 Peter 3 verse 20 and he said this this is Peter the apostle Peter the one who saw Jesus the one who trusted in Jesus the one who denied him but he knew Jesus the one who went on to write these letters to the churches and who in his later days as God had as Jesus had predicted and told him he was executed for his faith that's strong that's real faith that's being talked about here and this is what peter said in his latter days before he was taken away and executed as he writes into the churches to encourage them 1 peter 3 verse 20 to those who were disobedient long ago when god waited patiently god waited patiently god gave everybody a chance that's by the grace of god and the love of god to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved. Only eight were saved. That. Only eight were saved. A warning for those who reject God's word. 
But we should put that faith in people and things that fail. You tell me anything other than God that you're going to put your faith in, it'll fail. Even your health, your wealth, your knowledge, your eyesight. Listen to what Peter said in the second letter they wrote. Again, it's in the New Testament here. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. John the Baptist, what did he preach? Repentance to the people of his day, the Jewish people. Turn away from those things that you're following and turn back to God. He preached to the Jewish nation. Then he said, and he pointed out to Jesus, this is the promised one, this is the Messiah. This is the one who's come to make it possible for you to be right with God. A warning to those who reject God, whose faith is in things that fail. God is not slow in keeping his promise, but he's a loving God, a gracious God, and he's patient. And he's patient. And he's patient. He's not being slow, but he's taking his time. Why do we take time to give people a chance? <laughs> Hebrews 11, this chapter, tells us about those who, by faith, faithfully worshipped, faithfully walked, and faithfully worked. Their faith was a saving faith, a living faith in a living God. They weren't faithful to earn God's blessing, but because of their faith, they trusted in God to give his blessing, which he does. And the writer here, in Hebrews, was writing to believers, to Christians, to followers. The message is still for those who believe, but it's also there for those who don't. Those who still think about it, maybe still struggling with it. So, it's to both believer and non-believer. And the question is, really this morning, how is your worship to God? How is your walk with God? How is the work you do for God? Or personally, how is my worship? How is my walk? And how is my work? As we look at Hebrews 11, we see that the whole of Scripture is a passage about faith. Hebrews 11 takes us from Genesis right through in just one chapter. That's why Noah only got two sentences, but they were important sentences. The whole of Scripture is a message about faith. And that's just, just the Old Testament, that's from Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. And Christians down the years 
that have had what confidence in God's word and reassurance that the death of Jesus was sufficient to secure our salvation. It wasn't Noah's work. But let's just go back a little bit of what we've already looked at from verse 1 of chapter 11. Abel, he worshipped God. And what happened when he worshipped God? He was murdered. His brother killed him. His faith saved him. He believed in that which was unseen, as did Enoch, who walked with God, and God took him. And for Noah, it wasn't his work for God that saved him. It was the faith he had in God. Worship by faith, walk by faith, work by faith, and we wait and we watch in faith. Back to Hebrews 11 and verse 1 and 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. That's what this passage is saying. Commended for their faith, their trust, their belief, and for the things they did. But the things they did were great. And some of them cost them their lives. Let's think about ourselves just for a moment this morning. What have we seen and what have we not seen? You know, we have the benefit of seeing what those who have gone before us could not see. That is, Jesus. They had faith in the hope of a Messiah. That's where their faith was. But who was the Messiah? Well, we celebrate his arrival as we remember his birth at Christmas. Jesus, who was there at the beginning when the world was created, God who became man and lived among us. We know that. Noah and those we've been reading about didn't know that, but they trusted it would happen. And it did happen. So we have the benefit of hindsight in knowing that Jesus did come. John the Gospel writer, 1 John 9, 13, uh, John chapter 1, verse 9 through to 13. Just listen while I read this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was not... Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Okay. New life. We have faith and hope in what we don't see. So, what's that? 
Well, that's the return of Jesus. And as we wait, let us have faith, just like Abel did, who died for his faith, Enoch, who walked in faith, and Noah, who worked by faith. Next week, we're going to look at Abraham, who looked forward in faith as he waited for what he could not see. Get it? Get the picture? When we look at Abraham next time, what about this morning? Let's ask the question, is our faith in the power of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? Not in the fact that we come to church, which is great, or that we sing the hymns, which is great, or we read our Bibles, which is great. But it's not that knowledge... It's that knowledge that leads us to the faith that we can have in the reality that Christ died so that you and I could be saved. Saved from destruction, just like Noah was. Saved from God's judgment. Matthew 24, verse 36 to 44. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And a bit of advice from Matthew. Matthew, the Gospel writer, in that same passage. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. I wouldn't have let his house be broken into. So, you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. It's a warning from the words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. We've had a warning from Noah. A warning not to be like the people of his day who ignored the warning and suffered God's judgment. <laughs> Revelation 22. It's a couple of verses. Verse 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. It's the words from the last book in the Bible, Revelation. Keep praying. Oh, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together in your house around your word. And our oh, Father, we just would ask that we will seriously consider these things. If we know you as our Saviour, if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord, then we pray that we will walk according to how you would have us walk, that we would walk as you guide us. Is any here who have not yet taken that step of faith, we pray that you will lovingly speak to their hearts, remind them of who you are, remind them of what you have done, when you died on the cross, it was your shed blood and your body 
the secured our salvation. Because you did what we could never do. You took the weight of our sin. You paid the price that was demanded. And because of who you are, you rose again the third day. You ascended into heaven and we know you're there now. But Lord, we just ask that you will speak to all of us this morning through the power of your word. As we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>